and make sure you download that app. I am, I am not part of this church, but I will be downloading your app, okay? So make sure that you do that and you visit with the folks who can explain it to you. God bless you, everyone. And again, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to come and to share the scripture with you. Talk about technology. This is being streamed to our church in Brossard that meets in a movie theater with a great big screen. So I see the red light is on. So hi to everyone in Brossard. Thank you, City Point, for letting me come. And I hope this is working because uh, it's been an interesting morning so far. But we do have a plan B in our church. Just in case all else fails, always have a plan B. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of the lost art of spiritual growth, the lost art of spiritual growth. A couple of passages of scripture for you uh, that you can look up or read on your own. I know many, probably you have the Bible app and you, you, you know, you're on your phone with your Bibles. Maybe you have a paper Bible. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to about 8. Uh, his divine power has given us everything we need hmm, for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort that's intentional. Make every effort to add to your faith. That's intentional. Goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. I have seen so many people in many churches, large churches, small churches, churches in all different kinds of provinces, even churches in a couple of places around the world where there are ineffective and unproductive people sitting in the chairs every Sunday. These will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Intentional spiritual growth all over the passage. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, the famous, famous great commission. Jesus says to the disciples before leaving, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Don't just sit there and wait. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is intentional. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them you have to be intentional to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The lost art of spiritual growth. Um, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, I had the occasion of attending a large event in the city of Montreal, it happens every year and I think around the world now, called Comic-Con. Any of you ever heard of this? This is like the popular culture celebration event. There's thousands of people there. You have all these crazy people who dress up in costumes for apparently no reason except to show off and get photographed. I mean, it's just a wild, wild 
celebration of pop culture. So I went there because I'm kind of a student of pop culture. Love to understand what the culture is trying to, to, to celebrate and to understand it because it affects the way that they live. And I was just stunned being a, being a, a, a dinosaur fan. I was just stunned when I looked at in the, in the center of this large kind of flea market atmosphere where they're selling all this pop culture stuff. They had this amazing replica of this, this creature called a velociraptor. Do you know what a velociraptor is? Okay, do you know that Toronto basketball team that won the NBA? Okay, you know what their name is? Okay, you know who they're named after? They're named after that thing there, the Velociraptor. So they had this scale model of a Velociraptor from the Jurassic Park series. You ever heard of this Jurassic Park? It's only like, you know, two, three billion dollars, okay? So they had this scale model, and you could buy this for, guess how much money? $700. So I did not buy it, but I bought a t-shirt, okay, with a nice Jurassic Park t-shirt with the Tyrannosaur on the front. You know the story of Jurassic Park, right? So, so the, the idea in the books and the science fiction is this story where, where you, you go and you find these mosquitoes that are, that are petrified in amber from 65 million years ago. That's the story anyway. And, and they go and they find these mosquitoes and these mosquitoes have bitten dinosaurs from 65 million years ago and they take the DNA out of the mosquito and then they supplement it with frog DNA DNA, and lo and behold, you can recreate a dinosaur, a velociraptor. Amazing. Wow. The detail, the, the attention to detail in this model is just stunning. I told my wife and daughter, I said, Man, that's so tempting. That, But it's, what, what a ridiculous price, $700. You know, somebody actually bought it. And everybody, their jaw dropped when, they, when he bought this velociraptor. Um, just a word about velociraptors and dinosaurs. Just, just so you know, they are extinct. Are you glad that they are? Okay, you wouldn't want to see that guy, you know, by your bedside, like it is in the movie. But they're extinct. I wonder sometimes if the idea of spiritual growth for the believer, for the person who's trying to serve Jesus, if that too is extinct. And if that has gone by the wayside, we don't even think about that anymore. We don't even meditate about that anymore. To me, it is a lost art. It is going the way of the dinosaur. So I want to talk to you today about spiritual growth. For you as an individual, this is going to apply. For you as a church, it may apply. I want to talk to you about this lost art. And you cannot really do so without addressing some of the myths behind this, this idea of growing spiritually. So I'm going to give you four myths. Maybe you believe some of these myths. Maybe you don't. But I've seen them all over the place, okay? For the last 30 years of being a Christian, I have seen these myths all over the place. Number one. Good preaching equals spiritual growth. Good preaching equals spiritual growth. So when I first became a Christian, I, I started to, to listen to people. And once in a while, I would hear a person, they say, well, I'm leaving the church. I wasn't a pastor at the time. I was just a baby Christian. I said, well, why would you do that? And the person said, well, I'm not being fed. 
So what do you mean you're not being fed? And what they were, what they were really saying is the, the preaching that they were hearing just wasn't doing it for them. It wasn't hitting the mark for them. It wasn't touching them. It wasn't practical for them. Didn't have any impression in their life. And they say, I'm leaving because I'm not being fed. That is the number one reason that I have heard for people when they leave a church. I've heard it in, in big church. I've heard it in small church. I've heard it in churches in different provinces. I've even heard it in a couple of churches around the world. I'm not being fed. Number one excuse. Number one reason. And very sincerely put when people say it. I'm not being fed. And what they're saying is, the preaching just isn't doing it for me. Can, can I just tell you, and you can test yourself on this, all right? You are going to remember maybe 10% of what I say today. You're going to remember maybe 10% of any given sermon on any given Sunday. About 10% if you're really, really sharp. You are going to apply even less of it to your life. And maybe for the rest of your life, you might remember 30 seconds of a given sermon on a given Sunday. You'll remember the 30 seconds that touched you. You'll remember the 30 seconds that motivated you. But if you think that you can grow purely by listening to good preaching, that, my friends, is a very dangerous presupposition to live by. It's very dangerous. You cannot do that. It's like, it's like God is saying to us, learn to feed yourself. If you depend, you, you think good preaching will do it? If it would do it, then why are we not growing? Now we have all of the tech. You can listen to preaching until forever, 24-7, 365. You can listen to good preaching. You can listen to a guy like Stephen Furtick who's got big muscles. You can listen to somebody who's got a southern accent. You can listen to someone who wears skinny jeans. You can listen to someone who wears a tie. You can listen to sermon after sermon after sermon, and we do that, but we're still not growing. Because God is saying, learn to feed yourself. What is good preaching anyway? It's not the style. It's not the personality. It's not whether you like the, the, the preacher or you don't. It's not whether you like his hair or his lack of hair. It's not whether you like his style you don't, or her style. It's none of those things. Is the Bible publicly proclaimed and that's it? The preacher's job is to say, this is what the Bible says. This is what God says through His Word. It is up to us as the hearers to do something with it and to be intentional with the Word that we hear. Test yourself. Next week, will you remember anything that I just said? Just test yourself. What did that pastor say? I don't remember. It was good, but I can't remember. Sometimes we go to the pastor at the end of the service, good sermon, pastor. What did you like about it? I don't know. It was just good. <laughs> Apply it to your life. What is it that you need to do when you hear that message? What book do you need to read? What steps do you need to take? But you need to do something to feed yourself. You cannot put that kind of responsibility on the preacher. I can tell you, knowing Pastor Ron, for many, many years, you are getting the Word of God in this church. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do to feed yourself? It is intentional. Spiritual growth is intentional. It is not automatic. Good preaching does not necessarily mean that you are growing spiritually. Myth number two, physical age equals spiritual growth. 
So I have grown physically in my age. Therefore, it must be true that spiritually I must be growing as well. So that means that, you know, if a person is, uh, is a senior and we, you know, we get sensitive when we try to define this, maybe they're in their 60s to some, maybe they're in their 70s, maybe they're in their 80s, maybe they're in their 90s, and hey, maybe they grew up, you know, gnawing their teeth on the pews of Trinity Pentecostal Church. Well, then they must be a spiritual giant. I mean, they must be a spiritual grown-up because, quite frankly, they're a senior, where does it say in the scripture that age is a measure of spiritual maturity? Nowhere. People can be seniors and still be spiritual babes in Christ because spiritual growth is intentional. It is not a function of age or simply time passing. It does not automatically happen. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean that you're growing spiritually at all. And I have seen sometimes seniors who are, they are spiritual giants, but I've seen other seniors who aren't, quite frankly. It is not a measure of spiritual growth. There is essentially no relationship between the two because spiritual growth does not automatically happen in the passing of time. Myth number three, church programming equals spiritual growth. And this is the way that I've heard this over the years, especially from parents. They say, well, it's the church's job to disciple my kids. I bring my kids to Sunday school or whatever term you use here, and I bring them to all of the, you know, the church programming and put them through all those things. So I have now offloaded my responsibility, and it's the church's job to disciple my kids. And the kid comes home from Sunday school, and they're behaving like they're possessed. You say, what's wrong? It must be the bad church programming that did this. Shame on that church. I'm going to go find another church with a better Sunday school program or whatever because the church programming here, it just doesn't cut it with my kids. What's wrong with them? Where in the world did you get that idea? God tells us in his word it's our responsibility as parents to disciple our kids. You can see this back in the Old Testament. These commands I give to you that are beyond your hearts. Write them on the doorposts. Talk about them with your kids when you walk along the road. When you put them to bed at night, you've got to impress it upon your children. Don't depend on somebody else to do it. Church programming is good. It's good. You've got groups. You've got classes. You've got structure. You've got program. It's all good. It's all good. Put your kids through it. Put yourself through it if you're an adult. Do all of those things. But those things are not necessarily a measure of spiritual growth. Intellectual knowledge about God is not, does not necessarily mean you are maturing as a believer. Just because you have Christian education does not mean necessarily you have Christian maturity. And this is what God wants, maturity in the body of Christ. That people would grow spiritually. It is a lost, lost art. So don't depend on the church and its great variety of programming to somehow magically disciple you. All that programming will do is inspire you to again feed yourself. I never grew from church programming, never. All the church programming did was inspire me. Wow, I got to go do this now. I got to go read this book now. I've got to add to what the church has tried to teach me, but I've got to add to that now. I've got to 
do something with it. I can't just sit there and be spoon-fed for the rest of my life. I have to learn how to cook it and eat it. And we do, we, we are so, I mean, we're all over the place with this concept and it needs to be recovered by people who endeavor to serve Jesus. Are you really growing? Myth number four, a bit like myth number three, check off the spiritual boxes and you're spiritually growing. So we have these kind of things in, in the Christian life and we can treat them like these boxes. Hey, I've been baptized in water. You guys have a tank behind here? Is that where your tank is? Your baptismal tank? Oh, you have the, oh, you have the fancy one, right? the portable one in the front. and you do it. So it's like a public thing and you baptize people. A person can say, hey, listen, I've been baptized in water. Must mean I'm spiritually growing. Not necessarily. One thing it means is you're wet. Not sure if you're spiritually growing, but it means you're wet. Good thing to get baptized. But if you treat it like a checkbox, oh, I checked that one off. I'm baptized in water. Hey, I'm better than this other dude. I mean, he's not baptized in water, and he's late to church every Sunday anyway. She is too, but I'm baptized in water. So, hey. And now I'm tithing. I'm a baptized, oh man, I'm a baptized tither. Like a real tenth I actually give to my church. A baptized tither. Hey, I must be really growing now. I've checked this box, baptism. Check this box, tithing. Yes, sir. And now I'm even volunteering in the church. Hey, I'm baptized tithing volunteer. That's really, you must be a spiritual giant to be doing that. And hey, now I've even taken membership in the church. Baptized, volunteering, tithing member. Should be preaching every Sunday, shouldn't you? When you treat those things like spiritual checkboxes and you began to kind of go like this and say, well, now I'm all grown up. Do you know who did things like that? Do you know how dangerous a presupposition is? That kind of presupposition. You know who did things like that? You're not going to like it. The Pharisees did things like that. They checked all the boxes. Every single box you could think. These people tithed their spices and Jesus had his most severe criticism for who? The box checkers. The spiritual box checkers. He said, you know what? You've checked all the boxes. That's good. You've checked all the boxes. But you have neglected the weightier measures of the law, truth, love, justice, mercy. You've neglected all of that so you can show off about your spiritual checkboxes. And perhaps the one that is the most disturbing is when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in the, in, the, in the Pentecostal way, I'll say, and they speak in tongues, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they walk around with a badge. Hey, well, you know, I'm baptized tither, member volunteer, and yo-ho-ho, I speak in tongues. Be very careful with that kind of reasoning, my friends. It does not necessarily equal spiritual growth. Those things are not checkboxes that are made to be ticked off somehow. And, you know, you ch check off the box, tick off the box, and now we're done. Now we can put our feet up, and now we're all spiritually grown up. There's an awful lot of people who check off the boxes, but they are not maturing in Christ. And that is because spiritual 
growth is not a series of checkboxes. It is not necessarily good preaching, good church programming, a function of your physical age church. That spiritual growth is a pathway. It is a direction that you are on for a long time. It is not just one thing that happens one time and now you're all grown up. You're going to be on this pathway, this direction for the rest of your life as you endeavor to serve Jesus. His favorite way of inviting people toward himself was not invite me into your heart and I will change you from the inside out. Now there's nothing wrong with saying that. After all, John chapter 1, those who received him, he, began, he gave them the right to become, to, to be children of God. So this idea of receiving Jesus is, is very true. But the way that Jesus said this was one word, follow. He said, follow me, follow me. This, is, this was his altar call, follow that's because it's a pathway. It's a direction that you are on. It's not a bunch of check boxes that you simply take care of and that's it. It is a relationship where you are traveling intentionally in a particular direction following Jesus. When you are doing that, you now have a right angle on what spiritual growth really is. What is the evidence of it then? How can you tell if you are growing spiritually? If it's not, well, I come to church every Sunday, listen to good preaching. Well, you know, I've gone through all the programs and I, I've done all the things and, you know, I, I, I've done all the church programming. If it's not all of those things, what is the evidence that you are maturing in your relationship with Jesus? Number one, do you have any fruit? Fruit. This is the word that's used in the New Testament. Right? Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, these kinds of things. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That means the life of God within you is coming out of you naturally. It means your outside life that you showed to people and the inside life of who you really are are in sync. And God within you is coming out of you naturally. That's how you know. That's one way that you know that you are spirit growing have you got any fruit and it's not it doesn't say the fruit of the the fruit of the spirit is baptism church membership volunteering tithing it doesn't say that it has to do with your characteristics your quality of life the way that you comport yourself in life love joy peace kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness self-control do you have these things naturally coming out of your life or not this is the test what is the fruit that's happening and the other one, which is really bothersome and really disturbing, I have found, I'll, I'll call this life transfer. Not speaking of anything weird or new agey, okay? Life transfer. Everything that you have learned about God, everything that you've learned about, about the Bible, everything that you've experienced as a follower of Jesus, have you transferred this to anybody else on the planet? Have you somehow managed to say to another person through a personal relationship, everything that you've learned, everything that you've grown, how you've grown, all of the experiences, your life with God, have you transferred it to somebody else? And are they now a follower 
of Jesus the way you are a follower of Jesus. Do you know what the word for that is in the New Testament? It's a disciple. Do you know what disciples are? They're students. Do you know what disciples do? They make disciples. This is what Jesus said. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's not automatic. It's intentional. Have you made one disciple in your entire life? And it's easy for us to run around this. We can say, well, you know, I knew this person. I worked with this person. We had a couple of conversations. And, you know, 10 years later, I hear they're in a church. I guess I've made a disciple. Well, that's good. That's excellent. That's amazing that you've had that experience. But what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 28 is deeper. How can you, how can you say that you've made a disciple when you, you, have you, did you baptize the person? Did you teach the person to obey? This is, speaks of a personal relationship with somebody where you transfer everything you know to that person and now they're following Jesus and growing just like you are. So the other way is good. Don't get me wrong. That's fantastic if you've had the other experience. But what, what God wants is that you would actually have the thrill and the joy of personally leading someone to Christ who you have prayed for, who you have labored for, who you have, you, you have prayed for maybe for years, who you have interceded that they would come to know the Jesus that you know. And now they do because of you. This is, this is a mark of spiritual growth. You are growing when you have that experience. And I find it very, very frustrating that most of us cannot answer that question. It, it can keep us up at night. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Have I even made one? Have I even made one? That is an evidence of spiritual growth when you can transfer it to somebody else. So where, where do you begin? What do you do? You, you say, my goodness, this is like really, a, wow, this is heavy. Well, let, let me try and break it down for you and make it really, really practical for you. Okay? I, I'm going to give you what I call the, the spiritual discipline smoothie. The ingredients for the spiritual Discipline smoothie. When you think of your, of your pathway to maturity uh, more as a series of spiritual disciplines, I know we don't like that word, but more as a series of spiritual disciplines that we learn and that we keep learning and that we kind of mix into this smoothie and we shake it all up and we consume it. And then we shake it all up and we consume it again. And we have this kind of lifestyle, this kind of spiritual diet. It's like a smoothie and you put your ingredients in and you mix them all up and they all mix together and then you, do you understand? This is, this is kind of what Jesus is after in this follow relationship. So when you think of all of these things, you know, baptism and all this stuff, and when you think of it more as a series of spiritual disciplines, uh, now you're on to something. So let me give you some ingredients for your smoothie. Do you pray? Do you pray every day? Do you have a time, a private time with your God? Every day. I, even if it starts with 30 seconds a day. I am convinced that most Christians do not pray every day. Do you pray every day? Have you learned the spiritual discipline of prayer? Where you, and you're going to get a lot of frustration when you start. You're going to pray. You don't know how to pray. Keep on praying. I get a lot of no's. Keep on getting no's. Eventually you'll learn to get some yeses. 
The more you pray, the more you learn how to pray. Do you pray every day? That's a good ingredient for your smoothie. How can you profess to know God when you don't try to get to know him through prayer? Do you read? Do you you have Bible every day? I don't care if it's a half a paragraph a day. Do you have Bible every day? Look, you, you guys have an app. An app. I mean, you can do anything with this app. Now we get the Bible on the phones. We get the Bible on the internet. You get the Bible. You, you can do things like right now media. We have this in our church, courtesy of another church who has bought it for us. And we have right now media, like the largest video Bible study thing in the world, 24-7, 365. We have all the tools that we need. Do you read? You pray? Do you read? Do you, or listen? Listen to the Scripture? How can you profess to know God when he's revealed himself in his word, but we don't read it? We can't know him if we don't understand how he has revealed himself. I'll give you another one. These are going to be, some of them are a little tough to swallow. So do you read? Do you pray? Do you fast? Is it okay to say that? Fast? Do we talk about fasting anymore? (laughs) Fasting, that's when you say, well, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to drink, I'm going to... I'm not going to drink it. I don't mean alcohol. You know, I mean, you're saying, you know, I'm not, I'm depriving myself for a time of the material, the very material needs that I have, food and drink, because I want laser focus on God for a particular reason, for a particular need, perhaps. I will even deny those things for a time. That's a spiritual discipline. You put that in your smoothie. I'll give you another one. Solitude. Do you have any time of solitude? Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's once every six months. Maybe it's once a week where you are by yourself. Nobody around you. Nobody. For a period of time, you're, at, you're quiet. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Are we ever still anymore? Solitude. Jesus did this. He got away from everybody. They said, where is he? We don't know. (laughs) And then he would appear. He was all by himself. Solitude. Do you read? Do you pray? Do you fast? Do you have solitude in your life? Are you part of a church? I don't mean a building. I don't mean a structure. I mean, the Bible calls this an ecclesia, a gathering of people around the person of Jesus. Are you part of a church? I presume you are because you're here today. But the church is about the relationships that you form with people. That's a spiritual discipline. Are you serving in your community, your church community, first of all, but your neighborhood, second of all? How can you develop a burden for people when you don't serve them? Do you serve in your church community with your time, your talent, your treasure? Do you serve in your neighborhood where you can start to learn about the people around you, your neighbors, your workmates, your schoolmates? That's your neighborhood. Do you serve there? When you serve people, you begin to get a burden for their soul when you serve them. Do you give? Do you practice generosity? I will say it. Do you tithe? You say, Pastor, you're contradicting yourself. That's a checkbox. No, no, no. Not if you treat it as the discipline of generosity. For the rest of your life, you say, I practice this spiritual discipline because I learned that this stuff is not mine. It is God's. 
It belongs to God, and I will be generous with it. That is a spiritual discipline. Uh, you change the, change the baptism in water from a checkbox to a spiritual discipline. You know why? Because you're going public with your faith. You are saying, I am a follower of Jesus. You have gone public with it. You don't keep getting baptized every time they have baptism, of course, but what you're doing is you're saying, I am publicly declaring it. That means you'll probably publicly declare it somewhere else because you've been, you've been bold enough to say, I am a follower of this Jesus. Another kind of baptism, again, transforming it from a check mark into a spiritual discipline, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is so that you can make disciples. I have seen so many people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit the Pentecostal way, and they speak in tongues, and you can hear them speaking in tongues during the worship service, but they haven't led one single person to Jesus in their entire life. That's the purpose of the baptism, so that you have the power to be a witness for Jesus. Now, I know I'm not speaking about everybody, of course. I mean, I know this sounds really, really strong, and I get to leave here after the Sunday's over, and, you know, I, I can leave. So, you know, if you didn't like it, it's no problem. I can just go. <laughs> you say, well, it's really, really strong. But these are, the, these are the ingredients of the smoothie, you see. I'll give you another one. Have you ever been on a short-term missions, cross-cultural, totally overseas, totally different culture, completely different culture than you're used to? Have you ever been on an experience like that? When you go on an experience like that, it's going to transform your view of people. It's not a checkbox. It will transform how you view people. Most likely, you will see people who are a lot worse off than you. Most likely you will see poverty, you will smell poverty, you will touch poverty, and you will come back to your culture changed because you see something and your heart begins to get soft toward people. And when that happens, you might actually want to lead that person at some point to Christ, you see. But all of that doesn't just happen automatically. It is a spiritual discipline that you develop over time. And when we do that, and when we do this in this direction over a long period of time, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to see the life of God within you flow outside of you. You're going to say, wow, I'm a whole lot more loving than I used to be. How'd that happen? I'm a whole lot more joyful than I used to be. I used to be really sour, but now I'm more joyful. How'd that happen? I'm a whole lot more peaceful. How'd that happen anyway? I'm a whole lot more kind. I'm a whole lot more patient. I'm a whole lot more faithful. I'm, I've got a whole lot more self-control. How'd that happen? It happened because you got intentional. That's why. And because now the life of God within you is starting to flow out naturally. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And lo and behold, you may well just have the thrill of your life by leading someone personally to Christ and transferring everything that you know over to another person. Wouldn't that be nice? Folks, let me tell you, there is nothing more thrilling than leading a person to Jesus and seeing their life changed before your very... There's nothing more thrilling. It never goes away, the excitement and the joy of seeing it change life. You do this in this church already, okay? I, we watch you very closely. <laughs> and you're very much a model 
a model church in this city. But wow, you as an individual, do you want to know what that experience is like? Do you want to see your life change? Well, look at spiritual growth as more like all these disciplines that I have to now put in this smoothie. Change your angle. Change your perspective, and it may well transform your life. I'd like the musicians, if they would come to the, to the platform and just play something softly in the background, and I want to just give you a moment uh, to respond to this message today. Um, I believe that there are those of you who are in this room, and, and as Pastor Ron said, this is a strong uh, 9 a.m. crowd. I believe there are those of you in this room, and you don't even know where to begin. You say, well, if I'm being honest... I'm not, I haven't even started this journey. And I never, even, I never even learned about this idea of following Jesus. And maybe you're, you, that's you. And you say, I need to begin somewhere. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you uh, before we close today. And if there are uh, prayer partners that are available, I know it's the summer months, but if there are some of you in the room and you're available, can you just be at the front uh, discreetly and be available to pray for people if they want to come forward? Maybe there are others of you and you say, oh, wow, you know, I, had, I, just, I know all this. I know all of this that I've been heard, but that I've heard today, but I've just, I've just let it go. You know, I just let it go by the wayside. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm spiritually sluggish. And I just need a bit of a kickstart to change my perspective. Maybe that's you today and you need that change in the way that you view these things. Would you stand with me, please? And I'm just going to, to pray and uh, open up the altar for you so that you can come and you can respond or you can respond in your seat if you like. We can stop the stream for our folks in Brossard. I hope it worked. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, but let me, let me pray for you.